Let's bow for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word. God, as we open it now, we pray that you would speak to our hearts, that you would uh, transform our attitudes, our actions, um, our outlooks. God, help us to uh, to better understand uh, just uh, truly how great you are and uh, how you have transformed us and what you've moved us to and what you've called us to do and to say and who you called us to be, Lord. We ask that you bless this time together and uh, just use it for your glory and for your purposes. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Well, it is, it is, uh, we're smack dab in the middle of summer, I guess, so maybe toward the end of it at this point. Um, And one of the things that uh, for most of us, summer means, it means trips. Uh, opportunities to to go to different places uh, over the years, you know, and I'm sure many of you have trips that are very special to you in your own life, uh, vacations that you took uh, to different locations, different places. But I would imagine if I were to ask you, um, what was most special about that trip? What was it that was most significant to you? Um, I would say, I would venture a guess that for most of you, it was the people you were with. It was the time with them. You know, um, I've had the privilege uh, over the years of going to some pretty amazing places, but uh, every one of them pales in comparison to the people I was with on those trips, on those journeys. And and as you start to reflect upon those trips, as you start to reflect upon those events, um, you know, you, you, you start to realize just how special those people are in your life that you, you get to take those trips with. Um, today, as we come to our last sermon in the series uh, from the Psalms, Um, We come to Psalm 107, and I'm going to ask you to turn there with me if you would, Uh, Psalm 107. Psalm 107 is a story uh, about a journey, Uh, not a a, uh, journey in terms of a vacation, but a a journey of salvation, a journey of deliverance. And what the the writer of the psalm asks the reader to do is to tell of your journey. To, to tell of the journey that God took you on in terms of uh, moving from where you were to where you are. And I think as we look at this psalm this morning, as we look at what's said here, we're going to discover that as we talk about our journey from who we were before Christ to who we are now in Christ, as we talk about the, the, the changes that we've gone through, the, the, the lessons that we've learned, the, the information that we've gained. As we talk about that, I think what we're going to discover is that ultimately what makes that journey special is not so much the moving from who we were to who we are, but who we took that journey with. The God that we serve. The God who saves us. The God who transforms us. And so let's look this morning at, at Psalm 107 and and Let's do so through the lens of what is your story? What is your story of deliverance? Which one of the categories that the psalmist talks about today would you fit in? Perhaps more than one would apply to you. Perhaps one really stands out. But think about your own journey with Christ this morning. And and hopefully let's let's get excited about that again. You know, we, we all like to tell about our vacations. We all like to t- tell about our trips, about our experiences. This ought to be the journey that we're most focused upon. This ought to be the journey that we're most excited about telling 
the journey of salvation that we've experienced. And so let's see what the psalmist says uh, this morning and, and how he encourages us. Starts in, in verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north, and from the south. The writer starts right there where uh, we've seen the psalmist continuously returned to uh, over our journey through the variety of psalms. He is good for his steadfast love. That's that chesed. We've talked about this repeatedly. That, that's, that, that's that covenantal love. It, it can, as we've talked about before, it can be translated steadfast love, loyalty, kindness, mercy, forgiveness. It's one of those words in the Bible that's just really rich and, and has just a multitude of meanings. No one meaning in English really captures the heart of everything that the word communicates in the Hebrew. It's, it's a powerful word. It, it's the heart of who God is. When we say, you know, uh, in, in our thoughts, God is love. When, when we express that, hesed is the word that, that, that conveys, conveys that from the, from the Hebrew, from the Old Testament perspective. That he is loyal to us. He's faithful to us. He's good to us. He's kind to us. And he stands beside us even when we wander. Even when we struggle. Even when we make some poor choices in our life. God is still there. And that's so encouraging. Because, you know, I've, I've had situations in my life where, where I've made poor choices and in relationships that I've had where I've said things that I shouldn't have said or where I've expressed things. And, and even in those times when those people forgave me and, and we sought, sought to move forward, it just wasn't the same as it was before. There, there was still kind of that, yeah, I, I really messed up there. You know, in, in the back of my mind or perhaps in the back of their mind, and there was just an awkwardness that, that was there that wasn't there before. But with God, there really is a redemption that's so deep and so complete and so thorough that even as we mess up, our relationship stands strong. In fact, I would suggest, based upon the, the reality and the power of how wonderful grace is, our mess-ups sometimes increase our relationship. That's what Paul says. He says, where, where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. It's even bigger. Now, he goes on to say, that doesn't mean you go out and you sin more just so you get more grace. He says, that, that, that's foolishness. But, but just the, the reality that, that God is still there. And God doesn't just say, oh, that's all right. God says, yeah, that mattered, but I forgive you anyway. That God, God moves in such a powerful way. That, that's something that, that should excite us and, and should enliven us. And so that's why the psalmist continues with that refrain. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Speak it. It's not just about experiencing it. It's not just about knowing it. It's about saying it, uttering it. And then the psalmist goes into uh, four different types of rescues that God performs when he rescues Humans. Four different things that, four different ways that we were 
one way before, and now um, we're different. And we know these four areas because he ref- uh, the psalmist repeats this refrain, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. That's the, that's the refrain that, that defines each category, that, that, that sets each segment apart. And so what are the four types of, of people that, that God redeems? What are the four basic categories that, that we move from who we were before to, to who we are now? The, the first group that the psalmist mentions is the wanderer. The one that's, that's just kind of out there wandering, lost, not really experiencing life to its fullest. So this is what he says in verses 4 through 9. Psalm wandered in the desert waste, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached the city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man, for He satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul fills with good things. You have that that first group. It's... in a sense, it's where we all are before Christ. We're wandering. We may have a sense of who we are or maybe who we're supposed to be. We may have you know, found ourselves in the church or grown up in the church you know, with parents who said, you got to go, even when we said, I really don't want to go today, Mom. That's too bad. <laughs> You're going because I'm going. And we got up and we went and, and maybe we, we, we you know, had some experiences with friends and so forth who were Christians who talked to us about it or, you know, other adults who were important to us. But before Christ, we were what? We were wandering. We, we really didn't have a sense of, of direction. We didn't have a sense of, of purpose, you know. And, and so we, we sought purpose in maybe a career or maybe relationships, or or money, or some activity, or some hobby, or or some other reality of this world. We 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 tried to find meaning. We tried to find purpose. We tried to find satisfaction, but nothing of this world can satisfy us. Why? Because we were not made for this world. We were made for a relationship with God. We were made for a connection. With God, and until we have that relationship, until we have that connection, nothing else satisfies. Nothing else makes sense. Nothing else finds purpose. And so the writer here starts with with this with this, and, and he he concludes with that statement. He God satisfies the longing soul, the hungry soul. He fills with good things. Does that remind you of any other scripture? Maybe a beatitude. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. For what? They shall be filled. They shall be satisfied. When you, when you, when you hear that beatitude spoken by our Savior, what do you think of? Well, the, the image is what? The image is one of, of simple hunger. 
You, you ever been there where, where, where you're just hungry? You know, perhaps you've been working all day or perhaps you've been involved in some activity or, you know, the, 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 the babies have been crying all day so you haven't been able to walk away from the baby or, or your boss has been crying all day so you haven't been able to walk away from the boss or, or whatever, you know, and, and you, you, just, you just haven't been able to, to feed yourself. And you get, you get to that place where you're just really hungry and, and you sit down to eat and those are the best meals, aren't they? Aren't, aren't those the best meals when you're really hungry? You know, things that things that even things that you normally enjoy, that they, they, they take a step up when, when you're really hungry. And then you sit there afterwards and you sit back and yeah, you're satisfied. You're feeling good. That's the image of our spiritual relationship that, that Jesus is drawing on, that, that the psalmist is drawing on. That sometimes we get wrapped up in life and everything's just drawing our attention, everything's drawing our focus, and we don't spend the time in spiritual matters that we should. We don't spend time in the Word. We don't spend time in prayer. We don't spend time just thinking about God. And you know what? We get hungry. And we start to starve. And, and we start to, to feel just that, that unease and, and that discomfort and that Oh, just nothing's right when you're hungry. And then you come to that moment where you where you you, you set aside that moment for for God. And you spend some time in prayer, you spend some time in his word, or you spend some time praising him with your brothers and sisters in fellowship. And you just feel satisfied. You just feel whole and complete. That's what God can do. That's, that's what deliverance is. That's what it was in, in the big way when it came to salvation. We were completely empty, and now we're filled. We were completely without hope, and now we have a future. We were completely on our own, and now we're constantly walking with somebody. But even after that, salvation, it, it continues in, the, in that journey of, of being filled and, and finding fulfillment. The second type of person that the writer focuses upon, the, the person that God has redeemed is the captive. The one who's enslaved someplace. He writes, Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man. For He shatters the doors of bronze and cuts in two the bars of iron. What a, a, again, a, a vivid picture of what it means to, to be lost and then found. To be captive to a sin, to be captive to a lifestyle, to be captive to a mindset and an attitude and a perspective that does not seek your well-being, that does not give you any joy, that does not give you any peace. That's what being lost is. That's, that's what the, 
the definition of it is it's, it's enslaved to sin, Paul says. It's being bound by things. You know, one of the ironies of, of life is that so many times people who are the most enslaved claim to be the most free. You know, you, you hear it all the time. Well, well I, I'm free to do this, and I, I want to be free to do that, and I want to be free to do that. And in reality, what's actually going on there is, is, a, is a very uh, perverse form of slavery to where the person thinks, yeah, I'm free and I'm making my own decisions and I'm doing my own thing. But in reality, they are more enslaved than anybody could imagine. Sin is, is so tempting. It, it's so... Um, addictive. And that's, that's I think, one of the, the best pictures of, of this idea of captivity that I can talk about. It, it's, it's, a, it's an addiction. When, when you think about it, it's, you know, the, the person who's in an addiction will tell you what? I'm not addicted. I do it because I enjoy it. You know, I, I, I do this, this, this activity or this event because because it's fun and because it's enjoyable. But you take that away from them and what, what begins to happen? They begin to, they begin to twitch and they begin to, 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 to get obsessed with, I've I got to get back to that. I've got to get back into that activity. I've got to do it again, whatever it is. That's not freedom. We define it as freedom so often, but that's not freedom. That is captivity. It's only when God steps in and, and, and empowers us. And, and as the psalmist says here, He shatters the doors. I love that. He, he doesn't just open the door. He doesn't just kind of you know, break the door open just a little bit. I, I, I'm going I'm 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 to open the door just a little bit and, and you can walk through. He doesn't just do that. The psalmist says He shatters it. It's an explosion of freedom that we experience in God. It's God coming in and saying, you're no longer enslaved to that. You're no longer uh, enslaved to that, that former way of life. You're no longer trapped by that habit. You're no longer trapped by that addiction. I am your salvation. I am your solution. Come on out. I know for, for so many people that that's, that's their story. That's their journey. That, that God reached in and, and pulled them out. I, I've seen it with people who were, were, were prisoners, literal prisoners. I've seen it with, with people who were, were addicts. And I've seen it with people who, who were, uh, you know, uh, addicted to, to, to porn and, and other things like that. How God stepped in and and purified and, and changed them and pulled them out. And again, just as with being a wanderer, it, while it has that big moment when salvation takes place, when, when justification takes place, it's an ongoing process. Because who we are or who we were is still attractive to us. And, and so there's still that temptation sometimes to step back into that, that captivity. There, there's still that temptation sometimes to, to say, you know what? 
I enjoyed that, and, and, and I want to try that again. And so we make that choice. We make that decision. And immediately we, we start to experience the, the shame and the guilt of that. And God comes to us and says, why are you fighting a battle that's already been won? Why are you enslaved to a sin I released you for? Come, my child. I'm here for you. I have redeemed you. I've rescued you. And I continue to do just that. I cut those bars of iron in two. There's nothing to enslave you anymore. The third group that the psalmist talks about that God delivers are those who are sick, suffering illness. In 17 through 22, he says, Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquity, suffered affliction or sickness. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He sent out His word and healed them, delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man, and let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving. And tell of his deeds and songs of joy. You know, when when you're you're not feeling well, nothing really um, comes together. The last couple of days, I've I've had some 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 issues that there I just wasn't feeling physically well, and it didn't matter what I was doing, it wasn't enjoyable. Why? Because I was sick. I was ill. And so I, I just couldn't enjoy the things that I normally really love to do. And that's what sickness does to you. And that's what sin does to you. It, it's a sickness that, that prevents us from really enjoying the rest of life, from really seeing the beauty of life. We're so enslaved to, to sin and we're so sick with it that that we see everything through the lens of it, how we evaluate other people, how we evaluate situations, how we uh, evaluate hopes and dreams, how we evaluate church and our fellowships and, and, and all those other things. The reason we can't enjoy church and the reason we can't enjoy each other and the reason we can't enjoy life so often is because we're spiritually sick. There's an illness that's taken hold. But just like the other forms of, of uh, oppression, God heals us of that sickness. God gives us life and joy. And because of that, we can experience uh, the fullness. Jesus said what? I have come so that you may experience life and experience it abundantly to the fullest. Jesus didn't come just to let you get by, just to, to give you the, the, the opportunity to get by in life. He didn't come by to, to give you a mediocre existence. Jesus came to give you abundant life. And as we dwell with Him, and as we walk with Him, and as we live with Him, we can begin to experience that. That's what salvation is at the beginning. That's what salvation continues to be as we grow and mature. The fourth type of individual, I think we probably uh, relate to uh, in today's world more so than, than maybe the others in some ways. 
It's the person who's overwhelmed. Where life is just so much. The psalmist writes, beginning in verse 23, Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, His wondrous works in the deep. For He commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were out of their, at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea be hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and He brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol Him in the congregation of the people and praise Him in the assembly of the elders. Talking about being overwhelmed and, and finding peace here. And, and the one verse there is, is actually the verse we use for uh, our college ministry here, the ports. It says, Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them into their desired haven. The word haven there can also be translated port. And that's how we've used it. That we want our ministry here, a college ministry, we want our church ministry to be a, a place where we have a port, a haven, where we can fellowship with God, where we can connect with God, where we can be a, a people who find the rest from the overwhelming realities of life. There is so much going on. We, we talk so much about technology and how it, it makes our life easier. You know, we have technology that does this and technology that does that. You know, we, we can speak to, to something in our house and turn on lights and program it to turn on lights at certain times of day and turn them off at certain times and, and just do all sorts of things for us. You know, microwave, we can eat in, in seconds, whereas you just take hours or half an hour or whatever. You know, and we, we talk about how great technology is and, and how we can, you know, I, I can pick up my phone and, and talk to friends who are on the other side of the world, video chat with them on the other side of the world and all these other things. But really what has happened with, with this technology, what has happened with all of these, these privileges and, and these abilities is we've just filled the space, quote, that we're saved with more stuff. And what has happened is we've become overwhelmed. There's no simplicity to life anymore. There's just so much coming at us night and day, minute by minute. So many things that we see. We, we see information. We see details. We, we, we hear stories of, of events instantaneously on the other side of the world that we wouldn't have even known about in previous decades. And, and it just becomes so overwhelming. So much to deal with. We need a port. We need a haven. We need a place of rest. We need to find that time and that reality where we're what? Where we're still. And know that He is God. As you've looked at these, these different uh, elements, these different rescues, I, I hope you've recognized elements in Jesus' ministry in each one of these. Every one of these rescues has, has some 
reflection, some event in Jesus' life, in his ministry that, that he carried out where he rescued somebody. This last one, of course, the, the, the calming of the waters with his disciples. The, the Beatitudes and, and other things that he done, the bring, bringing light, healing the blind and, and bringing life to them. That is who Jesus is. It's who God has always been. When man rebelled against God, we told God we didn't need him. And he said, I'm going to wait around till you discover you do. You're going to realize what a mistake this was. And when you do, I'll be here. Not with an I told you so, but with an I love you so. That is the God we serve. In reality, our story is actually his story of who he is and what he's done. Every one of these events, every one of these rescues is a testimony to who he is. And this is where the psalmist ends in verses 33 through 43. He turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. He turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water, and there he lets the hungry dwell. And they establish a city to live in. They still fields and plant vineyards and get fruit, uh, get a fruitful yield. By his blessing, they multiply greatly. And he does not let their livestock diminish. When they are diminished and brought low through oppression, evil, and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in tractless ways. But he raises up the needy out of affliction and makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad, and all wickedness shuts its mouth. Whoever is wise, let him attend these things. Let them consider the what? The steadfast love, the hesed of the Lord. He, begin, he ends where he began. The love of the Lord is what we consider. It's what we focus upon. We see a God who does judge and, and act judgment, who, who does hold the, the, the sinful accountable, but who is there for the ones who will humble themselves, who are oppressed, who are overwhelmed, who are who are dealing with with sickness who are who are dealing with just a sense of being lost god comes in and he frees us he he takes the captive and he sets us free and so when we tell our story what do we do we tell of his might the power that he has to deliver how he has delivered us from things we didn't think we could be delivered from we tell of his mercy the fact that despite the fact that that we rebelled and we rejected and we ignored him. He has forgiven and loved us. And we tell of his blessing, the goodness that he has continued to carry out in our lives since then. As you go from this place this morning, you're going to encounter people who are wandering, people who are, who are captive, people who are sick, people who are overwhelmed. They need to know there's an answer. They need to know there's a solution. And you have that answer. You have that relationship. You have that testimony. And you don't know, have to know a billion Bible verses. You don't need to know, you know every answer to every question every person's ever asked about God and, and how to, to answer you know, the problem of evil and, and all these other You don't need to know any of that. What you need to know is what God has done for you. 
the journey that He's taken you on from where you were before to where you are now and where you continue to grow and learn and, and experience His blessing. That's what you need to know. That's what they need to hear. And they need to know that just as He's worked in your life and just as He's transformed your life and continues to, to be there for you, He can do the same for them. We need to tell the story. If there's one thing this world needs now, it's not a better politician. It's, it's not better laws. It's, it's not, quote, People just doing the right thing. What we need is God. What we need is a relationship with God. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good people. Jesus came to make dead people alive. To change and transform the very essence of who we are. And that's a story we can all tell. That's a story we can all be proud of. And we can all rejoice in. It's our story if we know Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you never experienced that transformation, you never experienced that, that deliverance, man, come find me afterwards. Let me tell you. Let me tell you how to do it. Let me tell you how to experience the life that only God can give. The joy and the peace that only He can provide. He will. He is able, abundantly able, to do more than we can imagine to bring our lives to a, a new circumstance, a new level of goodness, if we'll but submit to Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You. We thank You for Your goodness. We thank You for Your awesome power. We thank You for the deliverance You give that's beyond what any of us deserve and certainly what any of us could have expected. God, we pray that You help us to tell our story to communicate your goodness to a world that so desperately needs to hear it. To share the truth of your love and your power. And Lord, we pray that you go with us. Give us the courage to speak when the opportunities arise and the wisdom to see those opportunities when they're present. And we thank you and we praise you. In Christ's name, amen.